I do believe you will find this is more than true. come along? The genie emerges from the bottle. The one who was rubbing the bottle lurches at attention. The genie says, three wishes, standard, I know, I know, everybody wants sexy time. I'm a genie. I've heard it all. Ain't no use being shy here. She starts pulling her blouse up, but the genie's master is a peculiar sort. Kind of a twisted lady who wants to go out with the genie and create scenes of chaos, societal violations, at least six levels above jaywalking, for kicks. Though it wears on her. And the genie says, So that's what floats your boat, sister? Kinky. They step out on the street. The lady genie and the crazy lady who rubs random lamps. The genie's master points across the street. Make that man have... An uneventful, but unsatisfying breakfast. Done, says the genie. This was going to be the best day ever. And the two of them entered the restaurant with the man on the street, who some presume is mythical, but there it is. And they seat themselves, because it's that kind of establishment, casual-like. And then watch the man order, selecting his own meal, because this genie has some high-class magic mojo, and it gives the whole affair a little class. The illusion of free will is to die for, but it is an illusion above the pay grade of most. But when the meal arrives, it does so just a moment after the meal to his left is delivered to a comely young lady sitting by herself. And he starts thinking to himself, now that is a meal. That's what I should have ordered. Flapjacks and marmalade apple slices. In his mind, he heard the line from Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. No one dared remove the apple from Gregor's flesh. It disturbed him, but he found it a little alluring, which disturbed him only further. By the way, the genie's name is Allura. It was not pertinent earlier. It was a specialty. And when his food came, even though it was exactly what he wanted, exactly what he ordered... Something he thought about, considered, weighed the pros and cons, he was unsatisfied. There was a disappointment within his soul, an emptiness which could never be filled by food. He was ravenous, and he ate like a starved man, but he didn't enjoy one morsel. He choked it down like his feelings, and it was tasteless. And he smiled, so no one would know. For the part of the lady across the way, who had spent the meal tucking into flapjacks with marmalade apple slices, she didn't enjoy her meal one bit, because she kept looking at the meal the man to her right had ordered. The man who sat by himself, in a smart suit, one of those electronica numbers. A look of concentration on his face and a smile on his lips, and a blank look in his eyes. 
and a blank look in his eyes. He couldn't see her for the world, and it broke her heart because he was exactly what she was looking for, a man who would order that meal and clearly enjoy it so much. It was enough to put her off eating, but still she ate because she was trying to fill an emptiness inside her which food could never fill, and she knew it, which made it an exercise in futility. Her passions aroused, she had fantasies regarding the man to the right, fantasies she had never considered before and would never have said aloud to any living person. But she was a mortician, so she did have a place to get things off her chest. I didn't mention this earlier because it was not at that time pertinent. But it was cold and the atmosphere chilled her to the bone. So she wore decorative sweaters, the kind people would say were ugly sweaters. And she didn't do it by way of ironic commentary, which is cheap, but not wholly worthless, so don't misread. And the bill came, and he paid it, she paid it, and they beat it. Each of them went to their separate corners of the city, never to meet again. But just before he went to sleep, and often thereafter, he thought, maybe he had really missed out, and the meal he ate, there was nothing wrong with it. And his terrible attitude had ruined it. An otherwise flawless meal turned to offal in his mouth. And his lust for the meal of another. He did not even look at that person. Did not even grant them an identity beyond the meal sat in front of them. Whoever they were. And whatever they wanted out of life. By God, he was alone. And for her part... She lay awake all night thinking, man, what a nice suit. The genie's master claps her hands together and shakes with delight. Again, she says, again. Allura is a very good genie. It all depends on how you define your terms. And did you see how unhappy the server was? She asked. I did not, said the master. And the kitchen staff? Miserable said Allura, the most powerful genie in the world, and therefore, some would say, the best. As all genies should aspire to be, if they want to be good. Three wishes seem to be arbitrary, but they are like the patterns which exist in nature ubiquitous. Three. Same as a magic fish, or the paw of a monkey. Unbroken tradition. A trinity of want. The rules of the game. As for second wishes, they are different from first and third wishes, because when making wishes in a chronological order, one is bound to make ever larger and grander wishes, because some sort of a story arc naturally evolves from this. This is to prevent the dreaded anticlimax, because why ride the streetcar if you don't want to get off? Why do you rub the lamp if you don't want to get off? Children spin in circles until they throw up because they want to feel the universe spin around them to give them the illusion of a sense of time, place, and adventure. Anything will do, really. Just gimme. I certainly do enjoy a blasé day, said the genie's master, who prefers to remain anonymous to her own benefit, as she is a selfish sort, but not one to hog the credit. She knows on which side the bread is buttered, the side which inevitably hits the floor. 
And why better oneself when one can more easily lower everyone else? It stands to reason. It is a simple matter of mathematical thinking. Cold calculation. The twosome walked down the street with unclear purpose, purposefully looking for trouble. Nice day, says Allura. Don't remind me, says the master. A cat chases a dog down an alley, and they are followed. In the alley, a painter has made a vast mural across the back side of a building. Dull brick covered up with the illusion of a scene at a picnic. A sunny day. Blankets cover and protect the grass. The people are eating sandwiches and drinking lemonade. People walk around a lake and on the far side, if you squint, a mermaid has emerged to take the first steps on land in search of true love. In a scene like this, anything is probable. It is a matter of the artist's equations, the mix of the paint and the conditions of the setting. The unreal made real as easily as the real is made unreal. The artist stands back to look at the just-finished mural. Make it rain, says the master. The clouds formed in an instant. A torrent of raindrops bombarded the street and the artist, whose face was now downcast, and the wall covered with mural. The paint bubbled and ran, streams of color intersecting, dripping, running toward the ground, faces melting, dissolving, forming a new equation. The mermaid retreated to the relative safety of the waters. The waters overflowed the banks and ran into the picnic. Cold tears ran down the cheeks of the picnickers. Hot tears ran down the cheeks of the artist, indistinguishable from the raindrops, but for the warmth and the salt content. They were saltier than the sea and warmer as well, but to an observer, they were all the same. On one level, water is water. The sea is salty, after all, from the tears of the fish. How wonderful, says the master, because it fills her with the wonder of the possible and the joy in the moment. And it is only in these moments that she is happy. It reminds her of mother, home. Make it rain, make it rain, make it rain. But the mural washed out, the rain stopped, and the master and her genie walked on, not giving a second glance to the artist who stood devastated. They rounded the corner and plodded. The artist looked up, trepidation. The sun shone on the back of the building, nothing to salvage. But the paint the artist saw had dripped and swirled in an interesting abstract, a happy accident. And the viewer could see in the mural anything that they liked. It was not a message hitting one over the head, but a message open to all interpretation. And the artist smiled, stepped forward and signed her name. Proud. Sometimes art is a happy accident, a disaster. Listen. At the end of the day, after the master makes the third wish, spectacular in the devastation it causes, no matter the particular, a crescendo, a climax. Then comes the reckoning. For the genie makes her put her back in the bottle and begin again come the morn, as she did on the first day so many years before, unimaginable. 
for she is the best master the genie ever had, and it must go on. For as the third wish is fulfilled, and the tears flow, the genie is freed, and can do as she like, and she likes, and she does. The one who rubs the bottle rubs the bottle, a weary look on her face. The genie emerges from the bottle. The one who is rubbing the bottle lurches at attention. The genie says, Three wishes standard, I know, I know, everybody wants sexy time. I'm a genie. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Ain't no use being shy here. You have been listening to More Than True, the David Raffin podcast. Background music for this episode was by Kevin McLeod and Revolution Void. Visit davidraffin.com to buy books, such as The Perils of Free Thought, a book of no small danger, at the Existential Sandwich Shop, and the novel Sex Robot Cuddle Party, among others. It was then I understood the fates blew me the most pleasurable way, for is this not the best of all possible worlds? if you exclude the worlds which are better than this one, which is the way of that trick. The road to utopia remains unmapped, and my mouth parted, and all the curses of sailors were at my lips, salty 